Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. What's up, everybody? This is John Odermatt, the host of Felony Friday. And before we get rolling into today's show, I want to take a quick moment to talk about coffee. That's right, coffee. The Lions of Liberty, we have partnered up with Anarcho Coffee, and we are selling our very own coffee. It's called the Morning Roar. It is a medium dark roast that has cupping notes of lemon lime, caramel, black pepper, and brown sugar. It is delicious. You can pick up some of this coffee by going to lionsofliberty.com coffee. We have a way there on your first purchase. You can get 10% off, but if you join the Pride for $10 and up, you can actually get more than that. You can get 15% off every single order. Buy some coffee support the Lions of Liberty, support another great libertarian company as well. Everybody wins. Lionsofliberty.com slash coffee. Welcome to Felony Friday, a presentation of the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, John Odermatt. Felons, friends, and freedom lovers, welcome back to another edition of Felony Friday, a weekly show right here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. For those of you listening for the first time, you're like, what is Felony Friday? What is Lions of Liberty? Well, Lions of Liberty is a podcast network. We have three different podcasts on this network. Uh, The first one is every Monday. It's our longest running program, our flagship program. The host is Mark Clara, and on that show, Mark interviews leaders in the libertarian movement. Our Wednesday show is more of a current event style show focused on things going on in culture, um, comedy, and also, of course, uh, our host, Brian McWilliams, gives you his take on the libertarian aspects of that. Friday, this show, Felony Friday, it's focused on the criminal justice system, on shining a light Uh, in areas in the system where there's been injustice. And today's episode is especially important, super important. We're going to be talking once again about the Jerry Sandusky and Penn State scandal. Now, for those of you listening, there might be people out there who know nothing about it other than the accepted narrative that the media has told you about and and you think is probably 100% fact, and it's just a slam dunk, nothing to talk about. There's probably other people out there who have heard my work on this before, the previous episodes. Um, I would say both sides, either before or right now, or I would say probably after this interview, if you haven't. Uh, go to lionsofliberty.com slash Sandusky. You can hear all of the episodes that I've done where I've interviewed uh, people who've spent a lot of time looking into this case, like uh, John Ziegler, Mark Pennergrast, uh, Ralph Cipriano, talking with those guys, getting their take on it, and learning what they know. And also on that page is an interview. Uh, I was a guest on Pete Mance Raider's show, talking about everything I know and have learned about this case. Now, today's guest on the show is John 
Snedden, and a lot of people don't know this, even those who are well-versed in this case, there was a federal investigation into the Sandusky case. So we're going to talk about that, talk about the conclusions that came from that. They are going to blow a hole in your mind so big you're not going to know what hit you if you haven't heard of this before. So we'll get to that in just one minute. Before we do that, I want to remind you, the show notes page for this episode, this is episode 175 of Felony Friday. So you can find the show notes at lionsofliberty.com slash FF175. Um, if, you, if you're a longtime listener or a first-time listener, we would love it if you subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, be it Apple or Stitcher. Um, please subscribe to the show. Please leave us a, uh, a rating, five-star rating, and a nice review if you enjoy what you're listening to. If you don't, just don't leave a, re- don't leave a review. Just forget about it. We don't want to hear from you if you don't like it. But if you do like it, please let us know. That's all I got, guys. Let's get rolling with today's show. My guest today on Felony Friday is John Snedden. John is a veteran NCIS special agent, uh, previous NCIS special agent of the year, and NCIS cold case squad plank owner. And he holds the distinction of having been one of the few federal agents to have been appointed and cross-designated as a special agent for the Office of Attorney General, Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Uh, subsequently, John was also the recipient of the 2012 Federal Sustained Superior Performance Award, and uh, he's currently working as an investigative consultant. Uh, the reason I wanted to bring John on the show, I don't know how many people out there are familiar with this, if they've looked into the work of my previous guest, John Ziegler, who has interviewed uh, John Snedden in the past, but John um, John Snedden was the Federal Investigative Services Special Agent uh, who looked into uh, specifically investigating former Penn State President Graham Spanier as a part of his review for top secret, to have his top secret security clearance renewed. And there was a report that uh, that John issued um, after that that probably most of you haven't heard about, but we're going to talk about that today. Uh, John, welcome to Felony Friday. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, it's a pleasure to be with you this afternoon. Well, it's it's great to have you on the show, and I've wanted to have you on as a as a guest for uh, for quite a while, actually. And I was kind of just looking for a uh, an opportunity where it sort of aligned with uh, some things that were were happening, either you know, with current events in in the trial with the uh, Penn State Jerry Sandusky scandal, and um, that happened was uh, last week or ten days ago or so when. Um, Graham Spanier's conviction was uh, was thrown out by a by a judge, and obviously that was you know that was a big focus of, of your report, and we want to get into talking about your report and your findings and all that stuff. But, but before we go down that road, um, just so everyone's clear, what your role was, um, let's sort of backtrack a little bit into the role of a uh, you know a federal investigative special agent. Um, how did you get into that role? What, what, what's your background in? Well, I uh, was previously a uh, uh, special agent with the Naval Criminal Investigative Service. I uh, investigated uh, felony criminal offenses and counterintelligence matters for the uh, Department of the Navy, um, which has a uh, jurisdiction over individuals and exclusive federal jurisdiction uh, worldwide. So... Um, and then I subsequently uh, became a uh, special agent with the Federal Investigative Service, which uh, 
conducts uh, uh, investigations to determine people's um, suitability to have access to national security information. And uh, in the in the case of uh, Dr. Spanier, um, the circumstance arose that there was uh, an allegation um, that resulted in his uh, departure from his position. And um, because of the fact that he held a high-level security clearance, the federal government wanted to determine what the circumstances were surrounding that, particularly if he would be would have been susceptible to any possible coercion, pressure, duress, or blackmail as a result of uh, that circumstance. Just to be clear on what, what the security clearance that uh, Dr. Spanier, I think he still has it, right? Um, it's, it's, it's been renewed as, as, as far as I know. But what, what exactly, how high level of a security clearance uh, did he have? Well, there's various levels above, you know, it's a, uh, it's a continuum. Um, you have confidential, you have secret, you have top secret, and you have uh, sensitive compartmented information uh, above the uh, top secret level. And his was uh, above the top secret level. Okay, so let's uh, let's fl- flash back here. So, at, at what point did this is uh, 2011 was when everything goes down. That's when uh, Jerry Sandusky was charged. That's when uh, Tim Curley, Gary Schultz, the Penn State administrators were charged. Spanier was uh, was charged later. At at what point were you brought in to uh, to investigate the security clearance? It was uh, very early, um, 2012, I believe. Very early 2012. Once, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, once the action had been taken and uh, Dr. Spanier was no longer in his position, um, we had to evaluate whether or not that uh, course of action uh, would cause him to be susceptible again to any possible coercion, pressure, duress, or blackmail. Or there was some, if there was anything that... Um, cause that action to take place that would cause him to be susceptible to any possible coercion, pressure, duress, or blackmail. So was your, because at, at the same time, or I'm not sure if it was at the same time, but uh, Louis Free, uh, the former FBI director, was doing an investigation as well into um, what happened at Penn State, um, uh, commissioned by the Board of Trustees, of course, uh, to to look into that. Um, and of course, that report that Louis Free came out with was used at the time uh, to penalize Penn State scholarships, wins taken away, which was was all uh, was was nullified, and uh, the wins were given back to to Joe Paterno in the end. But to get to my, my question here, did your investigation overlap at the same time that Louis Free was doing his investigation? Um, to some degree, yes. Uh, you have to keep in mind that while Free's private investigation was uh, highly publicized. The federal investigation uh, was not. Mm-hmm. And no one was aware of that. Um, when we conduct those types of investigations, we do not um, yell it from the rooftops that we're conducting an investigation. So neither free nor um, the attorney general's office of, the, of Pennsylvania knew that there was a federal investigation being conducted um, concurrently with theirs. 
did free that you that you know of did free become aware of it um i think i remember hearing something of grand spanier bringing it up in one of his interviews with louis free that he was being investigated well you know it was a uh perfunctory uh run on uh dr spanier i believe at the conclusion of uh free's private investigation um he had it appears he had already written his report, and it was a perfunctory um, exercise by Free to um, make inquiry of uh, Spanier, uh, Doctor Spanier, and he was uh, doctor at that time. Doctor Spanier, anyway, and actually that took place immediately prior to uh, Free's uh, um, pronouncements in uh, Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Uh, interestingly enough, his. Uh, report wasn't available for people to uh review so he uh had the first shot at whatever he wanted to say without uh people having the benefit of actually looking into his uh investigation um and you know dr spanier at that time when he was interviewed by um free um advised free that there was a federal investigation conducted which subsequently resulted in his uh the renewal of his uh top secret security clearance and uh free as a uh political appointee and the previous positions that he held uh knew or should have known the Mm -hmm. significance of that federal investigation but when dr spanier brought it to his attention um, and there were five people in the room. When Dr. Spanier brought it to Free's attention, um, Free immediately became disinterested and uh, left the room. And that was the first time, I believe that was the first time that Free knew that there was a concurrent, undisclosed federal investigation that was uh, conducted. That's, uh, that's very, very interesting. Um and free has made, to my knowledge, has made no comment about it publicly in, in any way. Uh, so let, let's get into uh, into your, your conclusions first here from uh, your investigation. So um, just to give my listeners a brief overview, and of course, I've, I've done a bunch of interviews on the uh, Penn State Sandusky scandal. Um, you can go listen to any of those at lionsofliberty.com slash Sandusky. I've done interviews with John Ziegler, a bunch of other people who have done a lot of research and in this case, plus my interview where I was interviewed by Pete Mance Raider, uh, that was about a few months ago where I went in depth on uh, on this case as well. So we're not going to deep dive here, but just so everyone's clear, what we're talking about here is probably the incident that everyone is familiar with who knows even just a little bit about uh, this Penn State uh, situation where the uh, boy in the shower incident and that is where the alleged charges of uh, of uh, cover up uh, come from. Uh, uh, I should say conspiracy. Uh, Spanier, Graham Spanier, the former PSU, PSU president, Tim Curley, and Gary Schultz were implicated in a uh, in a cover up in a conspiracy. And Joe Paterno was as well, but of course Paterno had passed away, so he was never charged. And of course, none of those charges stuck. But here we are today. So you're you're investigating back then. You're investigating Graham Spanier for the security clearance. I'm sure looking into if there's any sort of uh, cover up or anything like that that happened. What were your conclusions of your investigation? Well, there. 
the conclusion of my investigation was that there was uh, no conspiracy. There was no cover-up. And there was nothing to cover up. So, um, you know, I, I can't put it any clearer than that. Uh, you know, the, the uh, allegations were not uh, credible. He certainly, the, uh, the individual that uh, made the initial um, foggy allegation um, was not able to uh, communicate anything that was indicative of a uh, uh, sexual assault of any type. Um, yeah, he obviously, it brings you to the thought of, uh, you know, of an individual that's six foot five, 200 and some pounds. He's a division one college football player, quarterback that's used to, uh, running away from 350 pound, uh, defensive linemen. If he happens to see somebody in the shower, uh, uh, assaulting a young boy, um, your moral compass would uh, certainly tell you not to uh, flee and to, uh, you know, intervene. But uh, did, in fact, he uh, indicate that, did he uh, indicate that he uh, intervened in any, any fa- in any fashion? No, he did not intervene. Um, you've got a, uh, you know, a wet, defenseless uh, older gentleman in the shower and you, you're, uh, you're not, uh, you're not going to intervene if you see that if you see a, a child being assaulted. Yeah, that doesn't doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, if you're not going to inter- intervene personally, uh, wouldn't you call the uh, authorities from the Lash Building immediately and have them intervene? Did that happen? No, it did not happen. So, um, you know, and he's and uh, the, that witness, uh, Mike McCory, has made. Uh, numerous um has, has uh come out with numerous stories about what occurred none of which <laughs> none of which are the none of which are the same mm-hmm. so um uh, it plays to his credibility in addition to that um mike mccrory appears to have a particular uh fascination with sex which uh clearly can be uh observed if you uh google mike mccrory dick pics on on the internet and uh you'll have all your answers uh all your questions answered in that regard yeah actually uh when the police first went to interview mccrory about this alleged incident when they got wind that he might have seen something he thought that they were there to uh to talk to him about using a a Penn State phone to uh, send pictures of his dick to a woman who was not his wife, but uh, he was he was relieved that that was not the case. And but since then, even more recently, he's he has, he has sent pictures of his dick to uh, to other uh, yes. other women. It's an obsession, apparently. I guess. I guess. So during your investigation, um, was there any sense or any anything that looked at all like? A conspiracy of cover-up. Any evidence of, of any sort of uh, cover-up? Oh, absolutely not. I mean, that was. It's ridiculous to think that that occurred, particularly after after having spoken with everybody that I spoke with. I mean, I spoke with uh, Doctor Spanier uh, himself under oath for at least eight hours. Um, 
I interviewed Gary Schultz and I interviewed uh, Tim Curley and I interviewed uh, Rodney Erickson and I interviewed several members of the uh, board of trustees and I interviewed the uh, the individuals that were involved in uh, uh, Jerry Sandusky's retirement, um, you know, across the board. And uh, there was absolutely no no indication of any conspiracy or cover up, or for crime or a crime for that matter. Other than the political corruption that took has taken place and continues to take place to to have this uh, continue as it has. What, what do you mean by political corruption? Well, I think if you look at the big picture of this case, um, it's appalling how uh, political corruption played into this entire case. And, uh, you know, not not only this case, but, uh, I mean, there's been, uh, you've got a whole list of victims now that can be, uh, that can be identified as a result of that political corruption. You can, you can uh, look at uh, Dr. Spanier, you can look at uh, Monsignor Lynn. Um, if you, if you look at the continuum of, of what, what took place here, you see a uh, vindictive governor that, uh, you know, felt uh, Dr. Spanier's uh, fight for state funding. Uh, he took that as a, uh, evidently must have taken it as a personal attack, which caused him to become exceptionally vindictive. Um, and you've got other individuals on the uh, board of trustees that had their own particular um, motivations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you've got, you know, right now you have a uh, prosecutor that uh, involved in this case that is uh, awaiting some degree of uh, disciplinary action, um, that, uh, that being Frank Fina. So, I mean, if you, if you take a look at the, at the continuum of the case, you can tell that, that it was uh, um, manipulated in a way that would have the uh, uh, would have the impacts that they they wanted. Um, just as an example, with the, the free uh, private investigation, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's a, it's exactly what you would expect from a private investigation. <laughs> you know, so a, a, a lot of people might be surprised by that because they would say, "Well, why would Penn State want an investigation to show that?" They were participated in that. Their administrators participated in a cover-up. Well, clearly, they didn't take the time and effort to determine what the facts were before they took action. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, which is uh, appalling in itself. I mean, you know, if you're going to take action as significant as they did um, without any facts at hand, um, you know, you, whenever you have these cases, particularly from an investigative standpoint, and they certainly should have been looking at it from that perspective, because they have no idea what's going on. Um, they don't know where they're getting the information from, um, and is, in fact, that that information credible. I mean, uh, you know, it would have been much better had they uh, sat back, took a breath, and said, hey, what exactly are we looking at? Um, as opposed to, you know, reacting to a what we know to have been a uh, blatantly fictitious uh, presentment on the part of the 
attorney general's office, which was designed to do mm-hmm. exactly that, to uh, make people, uh, you know, react to a, uh, a falsehood before they had the opportunity to realize it was, in fact, false. So when, when you you interviewed, uh, you said several people on the board of trustees, did since the board of trustees was largely responsible for removing uh you know, they were responsible for removing Coach Paterno and for firing uh, Tim Curley, Gary Schultz, and eventually uh, President Spanier. Did any of did any of them give? Uh, you know, what did they think happened? Did they think that there was a conspiracy? Or uh, no, <laughs> absolutely not. Um, the, the circumstances are such, and I think a lot of people do not realize that there was no vote. There was no vote at the board of trustees. Um, the, uh, the chairman at that time relinquished his, uh, and I, I inter- interviewed him and he's, you know, you can, you can certainly, uh, read, read the report and, uh, you can come to the same conclusion. Yeah. But, uh, um, I'll link to the report. Yeah. The, uh, the chairman, the board of trustees chairman at that time relinquished his position primarily because it was, incredibly it was a very unusual circumstance that they were facing and uh one of the board of trustees um accepted the position as a chairman and uh, took over and he made a statement uh you know we need to essentially more or less we need to fire uh joe paterno we need to fire uh dr spanier does anyone object? And that was that was the extent of it. There was no no vote. And uh, and at, at this, sorry to interrupt you, but at that vote, Tom Corbett's in the room, right? Tom Corbett, the the governor, the previous governor of Pennsylvania. And did did Tom Corbett? He opened the investigation into Jerry Sandusky. Is that correct? Yeah, and uh, uh, every indication is is that. Uh, Interestingly enough, he's not interestingly enough now, um, having uh, the knowledge that we do now, he slow walked that investigation. And, you know, it just so happened to line up with, you know, his aspirations and his motivations, which were vindictive. (laughs) So, um, you know, interestingly enough, uh, Again, if you read that re- report, you'll realize that uh, Governor Corbett had never, ever been to a uh, board of trustees meeting um, prior to this event um, and suddenly became incredibly interested. So, uh, you know, that and that hasn't happened in the past, but it did happen in this uh, particular circumstance. This case, obviously... Uh, probably more toxic of a case than of I've ever seen before, ever ever really heard <laughs> covered in the media before. If anyone seems to come out and go against, even just chipping away at the narrative a little bit, there's massive pushback. Uh, their their focus is uh, uh, is on the wrong thing. the The focus should be political corruption. That's exactly what they're looking at, and that's what caused all this damage. It's political corruption. Political corruption um, instigated by Tom Corbett, and it was deeper deeper than that. 
goes, goes well, I think that there's, to, there were certain uh, members of the board of trustees at that time that had their own personal vendettas and they certainly lined up with uh, and could be served could be served through uh, uh, you know co-tailing with uh, Governor Corbett's uh, you know interest in uh, vindictiveness mm-hmm. so has anybody in the media obviously you said at the time the actual investigation was ongoing it was it was secretive it was not publicized um but the report was made public through a freedom of information act yes. correct yes what when was that 2016 2017 or um i think uh dr spanier had access to it prior to that but it was not made excuse me it was not made public until Immediately prior to his trial. So after it was made public, um, did anybody, any major media outlets, have they approached you to talk to you being the individual who did this investigation? No, I think they were under the uh, false impression that that there was only the free investigation in the uh, PA uh, Attorney General's uh, investigation. I mean, I, I think I'm, I'm right here to assume that this is massive news, that there was a federal investigation that vindicated um, at least Graham Spanier, but you could argue vindicates Joe Paterno from blame, Tim Curley, Gary Schultz. Um, so you have a situation where either that changes the whole story or uh, I, I don't know. It's like I, I agree, <laughs> and I think they failed to... You know, uh, investigative journalism, with the exception of a few people I know, um, yourself included, um, is dead. Other than uh, yourself and uh, Ralph Cipriano and a, and a, and John Ziegler and a, several other uh, people that, uh, other than that, it's, uh, you know, they just take the narrative and they run with it. And I think that one of the major problems is, is that they bought the free report without even reading it <laughs> and the attorney general's office, although they know that the uh, contents of that uh, presentment was, were false. And, uh, you know, they, they can't unreport what they reported. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think that's the major problem. I think somebody clearly needs to step forward and say, Hey, you know, okay, we, we were sold a bill of goods and this is the actual circumstance. I mean, they're, they're, um, uh, at least as, as far as I'm concerned, they're the watchdog. I mean, if you don't have a uh, investigative journalism uh, entity, uh, you cannot keep people in check. And that's what the circumstance happened here. I mean, they, they clearly, the powers that be, uh, Free and the uh, Attorney General's office, attempted to utilize that um, journalistic uh, um, willingness to accept anything, uh, as opposed to actually trying to investigate what happened, um, they used that against uh, uh, against the uh, prevailing truth and uh, got their got their uh, false story out um, by screaming it from the rooftops at the earliest point possible. So. Last question for you. We have, obviously, Jerry Sandusky is in prison. There's been 
appeals um, that have you know have not resulted in in another trial. There's definitely different avenues to take. I'm not sure if we'll ever get another trial or or not. Um, do do you think that? He deserves another trial. What would be like your ideal situation? I don't know if it would happen. Does he get another trial in your mind? Would that be something he's that's warranted? Well, without without question, he uh, uh, he deserves a new trial. Um, if you just look at what occurred in the uh, in Doctor Spanier's trial, and if you look what occurred in uh, Monsignor Lynn's trial, um, you know most legal minds would be appalled by that and to think that that uh the circumstances under which uh dr spanier was found uh guilty of a misdemeanor crime that didn't exist when he was uh when he was charged with it um and that yeah the law the law the law wasn't right. on the books exactly. right that they exactly. used exactly <laughs> But the more the the big important thing here is is that that um, case was reviewed by several levels of the Pennsylvania judiciary, who agreed with it until it hit the federal court, um, which is indicative that where and obviously the federal court said, "Well, hey, you cannot, uh, you can't possibly do that." Well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in all likelihood, the uh, Monsignor Lynn case uh, may very well end up in the in the same uh, circumstance, and it makes you really wonder, you know, how much did they manipulate all of these cases? I think when it comes to political corruption and manipulation of the case to satisfy um, uh, a political motivation and uh, an agenda driven motivation you've got uh a group of victims as a matter of fact um any case that uh the attorney general's office handled um that involves the prosecutors that took this case and uh did what they did to it um in an incredible miscarriage of justice every one of their cases Mm -hmm. is tainted every case that they've had should be looked at and examined to determine exactly what they did do. I mean, uh, there should be um, truckloads of lawyers uh, storming uh, Strawberry Square to find out what they did to their cases. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you can't you can't be uh, can't put these uh, three cases in a in a tiny funnel because the people that were doing them are clearly um, doing them with different motivations than justice. Yeah. I mean, if you just look at uh, the outset of Jerry's the Sandusky trial when he was charged, I think at the same time, they also charged Tim Curley and Gary Schultz, where if they had not been charged there, you're going to see the case play out in a much different way. I, well, I exactly. Um, I mean, they would have they certainly would have uh, testified to, to what they, uh, you know, during the course of my interview and that there was no uh, indication whatsoever from the alleged witness that uh, there was any sexual involvement whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's certainly, you know, um, it's clear that uh, the, uh, the prosecution of the case was manipulated in a way 
to uh, satisfy, again, to satisfy um, their motivations. I mean, uh, you know, Free had had to fulfill, in his private investigation, he had to fulfill the, the motivations of his uh, clients and his handlers. Um, the Attorney General's office, obviously, um, with what occurred there, um, you know, and where, where do you begin with how they screwed that up? I mean, uh, with what occurred, what occurred there, clearly they, they had a uh, predetermined agenda that they, that they went after. And, uh, you know, the whole thing is appalling. And uh, I certainly think that uh, all the cases that they were involved in should certainly be uh, evaluated now that we know that they um, – were less than candid in regard to what information they did have and how they manipulated that information to get their, their personal goals, which is not, not part of the justice system. Hey, have you seen any other corruption on this scale throughout your career anywhere else? I mean, obviously, probably some stuff you can't talk about, but I guess to get to get to the heart of the question is, is this sort of typical? No. I mean, absolutely not. I mean, this is, uh, again, if you examine this thing from the get-go, um, uh, it's, it's clear what occurred. Um, you'll have small, small uh, cases of corruption in smaller municipalities or, you know, within various uh, chains. But this one, uh, mm-hmm. when you, again, I, I, I have to come back to the fact that this um, alleged misdemeanor conviction was reviewed by several levels of the Pennsylvania judiciary, none of which um, had a problem with it. I mean, what does that tell you? I mean, it has to get to the federal level for, for somebody to make a, uh, you know, independent uh, determination uh, that you have any integrity that has, has some integrity. I mean, the same thing uh, with Jerry's case. I mean, you know, the, if, the, uh, if the Pennsylvania judiciary continues to protect the uh, um, miscarriage of justice um, to, set, mm-hmm. to, to protect the, the Pennsylvania judiciary and the Pennsylvania Attorney General's office, um, he's going to have to, uh, you know, look for a ruling from the federal uh, federal courts and clearly there were significant problems with the uh state's case against him and again he's not the only victim in that um we've seen Mm -hmm. by uh, dr spanier victim and monsignor lana victim and how many other victims are out there (laughs) that's what i'd like to know and i'm sure there's a lot of attorneys whose clients uh would like to know that as well well, you could say to to a much less degree than uh, than Doctor Spanier or people who were implicated in this, but even people holding a Penn State degree um, have been have been tarnished in uh, in some way by this. Well, I, you know uh, that's you know uh, uh, the governor is a uh, the former governor um, is a graduate of a private institution and is not fond of public education um and I'm, i certainly think that that uh 
you know, having a Penn State degree probably doesn't, uh, he doesn't appreciate that. Yeah. It's a crazy world we live in, yeah. John. Um, yes. <laughs> thank you for, uh, for coming on the show and uh, being generous with your time. And uh, you're always welcome back. Oh, it's a, a pleasure to be there. But I, I got to tell you, it's the most uh, appalling mm-hmm. uh, case of political, cor- political corruption that uh, I've seen. And it's, uh, it's ongoing and there's a lot of devastation that uh, should have never happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no end in sight, really. I, it's got to get to the fe- yeah. all of these cases have to get have to get to the federal level where they're outside the uh, you know influence of uh, Pennsylvania politics. Mm-hmm. All right, John. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. All right, that's a wrap, guys. Want to thank John Snedden for being so generous with his time and coming on the show, coming on Felony Friday to talk with you guys today. And this case is just so absolutely ridiculous. Uh, John, the, the way that he looks at it, and he, I mean, you, one could argue that he knows more about this case, at least specific aspects surrounding uh, the inner workings of the uh, the incident involving the shower incident, the alleged, the alleged cover-up, that John knows more than that, more about that than anyone else. And not only that, he's written a 100-page, 110-page report on it, um, gathering all the evidence surrounding it, and found not only that Graham Spanier was not involved uh, in a cover-up, a crime of any kind, but that no crime occurred, and that it's not even close. Um, Talking with him more, and uh, even after the interview, we talked for a while, just about the level of corruption um, in the judicial system in the state of Pennsylvania. And the thing that is, you know, just that's going to, people don't see it coming, obviously, um, because 99.999% of the people out there think think what they were told, what they've learned from the media about this case, you know, what they saw happen during the trial. Um, they think that's what this case is. It's a slam dunk. Jerry Sandusky's a child pedophile. All the victims are telling the truth. Joe Paterno allowed it to happen. They don't question any of that. When this stuff does come to light, and I'm not as convinced as John Snedden that it will, that it will make it to the federal level. Um, I think they're slow playing this for a reason, hoping that Jerry Sandusky dies before that can happen. Um, that's really going to be the key there. If Jerry can out can live long enough, I think we will see truth in this case. Because as John Snedden said, when it does get to that federal level, which we saw what happened with Graham Spanier when it got to the federal level, the judge threw it out because the charge or what Graham Spanier was convicted of of a crime that didn't even exist during the time period that he was charged and convicted of it during. It wasn't even on the books back then. So for that to to go through and for other Pennsylvania judges to stand behind the ruling, stand behind violating the Constitution, that's insanity. There's that's that's corruption of the highest degree. So that got to the federal level and got thrown out. Uh, when the whole Sandusky uh, case gets up there, uh, it's going to be, I mean, the blowback is going to, it's going to be one of the biggest scandals we've ever seen in the history of, uh, I don't know, history of anything. It's going to be, it's going to be completely uh, insanity. 
And yeah, I just want to encourage you one more time. If you have not listened and learned all the details about this case that you don't know, that the mainstream media hasn't talked about, the medical records of Jerry Sandusky that make it very, very evident that not only uh, these crimes were, not only did these crimes not occur, but that because of Jerry Sandusky's medical condition, which he has low testosterone and he does not have testicles, basically doesn't have testicles, the crimes could not have happened. And not one of his victims mentioned that during, at any point, during any testimony, during any of this uh, this whole thing. It's never been brought up. And those medical records were not brought up during the trial. That's just getting into one small aspect of it. Um, this case, and John Ziegler says this all the time talking about this case, it's not that this is like, uh, you know, maybe he's you know, just not guilty and they can't prove it. It's not even, it's not even close in my mind that, uh, that Jerry Sandusky is innocent. And John Ziegler, a couple months ago was on, was supposed to be actually an interview was recorded. Uh, John Ziegler on Thaddeus Russell's show unregistered, which never aired. And that's, shocking to me that somebody who I, you know, I have a lot of respect for Thaddeus Russell, but that gives you an idea of the toxicity of this case, that somebody like Thaddeus Russell, I can only assume because I know it was recorded and I've, I've heard from John Ziegler what went on during the interview, uh, if for that not to air because Thaddeus Russell is maybe afraid of stepping out and going against the grain here because of the nature and the toxicity of this case... If Thaddeus Russell's afraid of it, God, uh, this is why no one in the media has questioned it. This case will blow your mind when you start looking into it. And the very fact that a federal investigator, and I know people, libertarian listeners, will say this or that about the feds and federal investigators. Listen, this is a guy who, it's... it's his job to do this. It's his job to make sure that or it was his job, he's not a current federal investigator, um, to look into these issues of national security. So whichever side you fall on with that, um, there's a scandal here looking at the results of this investigation. So when I reached out to some media outlets around Pennsylvania after John Snedden's report was made public back in 2017, 110-page report exonerating Spanier, Curley, Schultz, and Paterno, um, in my mind, exonerating all of them from any collusion or conspiracy. When that was released, I sent out uh, a bunch of emails to uh, a lot of local Pennsylvania media outlets. And I said, essentially, guys, here, look at it this way. You got one of two things. Either way, it is a massive, massive news story. You got one thing where the feds investigated this uh, incident, the shower incident, that almost took down Penn State University. And the federal agent who investigated said, not only was there uh, the people involved did not commit a crime, um, but there's no crime that occurred. There was nothing to cover up. Not only was there no cover up, there was nothing to cover up that happened. So you have that. So, I mean, that's, that's a big story in itself. If you want to go against it, if you want to say, I don't believe that, then you have a story there also because you have a federal agent 
who's giving security clearance to a guy like Graham Spanier that the public thinks is a pedophile enabler. That's a massive story. So either way you look at it, you got a massive story, and either way you look at it, the media completely ignored it. And when that happens, I've lost all trust in the media. All trust. Because all they care about, all they care about is maintaining that narrative. Because they are fully invested in that narrative, as is all as as are all the major players in this story. So guys, I'll stop rambling. This is something I'm passionate about because this is massive, massive injustice going on. As John pointed out several times during the interview, that is far-reaching. And uh, you know, there, there's a lot of victims to this injustice. And if this is, you know, if you agree with me and you think that there is an injustice here, this same Pennsylvania judicial system, what else have they done? What other corruption, what other corruption has caused them to uh, lead to more injustice, has caused them to ruin more lives? I don't know. I don't know. But uh, I think there needs to be a, uh, a thorough, thorough investigation of every single case that these bastards touched. And I, that's, that's the way it should be. I'm not saying that's the way it's going to be, but that's the way it should be. And with that being said, guys, if you like this, if you like this show, if you like Lions of Liberty, please come support us. Patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. Get bonus content, a bunch of other stuff. Come check it out. Patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. That's all I got, guys. This is John Odermatt signing off. Always remember to keep your head up and the fires of Liberty burning. <laughs>